Hey everyone, Saltgrass Steakhouse is now open in Mishawaka. Wrangle up the crew and head down to Saltgrass Mishawaka for an unforgettable experience. Sink your teeth into mouth-watering char-grilled, certified Angus beef steaks. Sip on ice-cold craft cocktails. And don't forget to try the famous Spicy Range Rattlers, all made daily in the Scratch Kitchen. Start making delicious memories at Saltgrass Mishawaka, 5126 North Main Street, across from Lazy Boy Furniture Galleries. Dine with us today. Portions of the day's programming are reproduced by means of electrical transcriptions or tape recording. This is Budweiser's weekday sports beat. Never say never, but never. I plan on leading this team with an unwavering standard. Everybody love everybody. We will call it the golden standard, and this is the standard that will drive this football program to its 12th national championship. With Sean Styers. I like that guy. What you could do is, is you could have a barbecue on that it's head. It's a good time, you know what I mean? On Sports Radio 960 AM, double. USBT. He's running down the middle by the 50. He's bare-chested and banging his chest. They're chasing him. They're not going to get him. And now your host, Sean Styers. All right. Well, here we go. Plenty of stuff to talk about on today's show. March is almost over, April 1st. You know, we got the Final Four this weekend. We've got men's coverage for you Saturday night here on Sports Radio 960. We've got the women's Final Four this Friday night as well. Our coverage starts at 6.30. But uh, we start today with a fairly uh, big breaking news item. We've talked about it for the past few months, basically since Notre Dame basketball took off and Now it's happening. Blake Wesley plans to uh, test the NBA draft waters. And um, I don't think it probably should come as a shock to anyone. The uh, 6'5 homegrown South Bend product averaged a team-high 14.4 points a game this season for Notre Dame. And uh, he was a main reason, maybe the reason, Mike Bray's Irish went from 11-15 and overall 7-11 Seven and eleven in the ACC to twenty-five and eleven overall, fifteen and five in second place in the ACC. Back into the NCAA tournament this season, but uh, Mike Bray explained everything to Mully and Ha on six seventy, the score in Chicago earlier today. Yeah, no, I had a great meeting in, uh, with his family last night. Went over to the house there in South Bend. It's great when you have a recruit in South Bend. I haven't had many. You know, you, you, you know, I haven't. Demetrius Jackson and him, you drive across, you drive, you know, down the road and take a right, and you're doing a home visit with a great player. I haven't had that happen much in South Bend. Chicago, it happens all the time. Yeah. But it doesn't happen in South Bend. But, uh, um, no, he will test the waters. He, he was going to test the waters, but keep his eligibility and, and keep the option to come back. So, basically, you're on a two-month evaluation process because June 1 is the date he would have to return if he comes back. Um, They are going into this very level-headed. He is a great story, how he's emerged from kind of no one knew him uh, to a potential first-round top 20 pick. And and as I told the family last night, if he does what I think he could do out there in these workouts – and he's a first-round lottery pick, and he chooses to go, I will lead the parade out of town. And the only thing I said was, I better have a seat in the green room at the table. <laughs> and, 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 you know, that, that, that's my role. And as much as I want to coach him again, you know, I've been in this long enough, you got to let 
I remember Troy Murphy coming into my office and going, Coach, I got to go. And I stood up, shook his hand. I go, yes, you do. Congratulations. You got to go. And he was the 14th pick, and he made $70 million and and, and the whole (laughs) bit. So, so, So he will do that. And, uh, yeah, you know, no big surprise when Troy Murphy did it. And that situation was a little bit different because that was at the end of Mike Bray's first season at uh, Notre Dame. And, obviously, Bray had not recruited Troy Murphy, was the beneficiary of having uh, Troy Murphy on that team. But Troy did. He went and had a good NBA career. We'll see. Now, for what it's worth, Bray also said Nate Leshesky is going to do the same thing, test the NBA waters. You know, not quite the same situation as – Blake Wesley, but Wesley, 58 of 178, shot 30% from three-point range as a freshman this season. He hit 40% of his shots overall as a freshman. He's listed at 6'5", 185 pounds, needs to put some meat on the bones. It is, as Bray said, a test of waters situation, but uh, you know, not an all-in declaration for the NBA draft right now. Uh, He will be able to work out for teams and go through the draft process. He has until June 1st to either fully declare then for the draft or pull his name out and come back to school for another year. Now, guys do it every year. You know, you hear about it all the time where the guys, you know, again, toe in the water situation. Jalen Wilson, an example of a guy, did it at Kansas last year. He, uh, He tested the NBA waters, came back to school. He's a better overall player right now he's stronger now you know maybe that's the biggest thing that Wesley needs you know he still needs some overall skill development but you know I guess it's going to depend on you know where you know where things go what he what he is told you know the feedback in this process he got pushed around by teams like Duke and Texas Tech this season who had grown men bodies on their rosters and I don't think there are too many people who look at Blake Wesley and see a guy who would not benefit from another Year, I mean, you know, Jaden Ivey is the comp that we talk about all the time, and it helps that, you know, you've got a guy similar size, similar build, really athletic. He's also from, you know, here in this area, Wesley, South Bend, Ivey, Mishawaka Marion guy, but Ivey stayed for a sophomore season at Purdue, went from a pretty good player to a surefire lottery pick in a matter of a year. His body is more mature. His game is better. His skills are more developed ivy went from 11.1 points a game as as a freshman last year to 17.4 this year three point percentage went up 10 percent from 25 percent to 35 percent field goal percentage overall went from 40 percent last year where wesley is right now as a freshman to 46 percent this season we'll see what wesley does there are already reports that you know you know as far as wesley is actually concerned this is a done deal for him, but uh, again, what Bray says, and and you know the the, uh, the the paperwork that you file, maybe Wesley's mind gets changed over the course of this, you know, quote unquote toe in the water thing when he goes out and works out. Maybe maybe things don't turn out exactly the way he thinks they're going to. I guess you know we'll see. Again, it's a two month process that he has. He has until June first to make the decision. A lot of NBA mocks have him going in the top twenty out of, of course, 30 first-round picks right now. So lower third of the draft, nothing guaranteed in the lower third. You know, money is guaranteed, but I'll be curious to see where he stands in a couple of months. You know, he could go from the lower third to, you know, to the first-round lottery if he comes back. And, the the you know, the big difference between being picked 
near the top of the first round, lottery pick type guy, and the bottom third of the draft is five to seven million dollars a year, which is a difference of fifteen to twenty plus million dollars over the course of the first three years of a of a rookie contract. So we'll see what Blake Wesley does. And again, Mike Bray telling six seventy the score earlier today that he's going to test the waters. He'll go through the workout process and then he has until June first to pull his name back out and come back to school if that's what he decides to do. We will see where that process goes for Blake Wesley. Let's talk a little bit of football right now. We'll be talking with Brian Joskell from irishbreakdown.com more in a little bit. But yesterday we heard from Irish offensive coordinator Tommy Reese talking about Tyler Buckner and Drew Pine, a couple of his quarterbacks. Now let's hear from Tyler Buckner himself, the sophomore to be met with the media recently and uh, talked about the goals that he has for himself this spring. Yeah, I think it's to, uh, one, uh, have fun. You know, I love playing this game, and so just continue to enjoy football. I think, two, is just to improve every single day. Um, you know, Coach Freeman always says one play, one life, one day, one life. And so I think uh, this spring and my overall development um, goes along with that well. You know, just take play by play, do my job, uh, try to get better every single play, and then day by day do the same thing, just try to improve every single day. He, you know, obviously got some experience last fall coming in in, uh, in a role player situation uh, he ended up with 46 total carries for 336 yards, averaged over seven point or over seven yards per carry, second leading rusher that the Irish had, and was also 21 of 35 for 298 yards, three touchdowns, and three interceptions. Here's what Buckner says he learned from that experience last season. You know, uh, this fall was certainly a lot of fun, and I certainly learned a lot. But you know, I think what you saw this fall of me um, isn't completely who I am as a player. You know, I definitely think there's more to that, and uh, I'm excited to work on that this spring and uh, hopefully show it um, in the future. Yeah, we've already seen some glimpses of that where he's already looking like a more comfortable quarterback just in the limited experiences uh, you know, that the media has had to get out there and, uh, and watch some of the practice, including last Saturday at the open practice that they had. Uh, looking, looking more comfortable, looking uh, a little bit more smooth, fluid as a passer of the football, not aiming the football quite as much. But uh, where does Tyler Buckner think his game can go this spring? Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, being a quarterback, it always starts with leadership. And I think that's the most important thing. Uh, as a quarterback, you're sort of uh, placed into this role as a leader. And that's just kind of how the sport works. And uh, it's about, you know, taking that role and uh, accepting that role and doing the best I can um, to be the best leader I can possibly be. Yep, so leadership, a big part of uh, being a quarterback, on any team, but uh, some comfort that he has this spring, does Tyler Buckner? I think there's certainly an elevated level of comfort, and I think that just, you know, comes with time. Um, this is my third semester here at Notre Dame, which is, you know, coming into my second spring. Um, you know, it's certainly a lot uh, higher level of comfort. You know, I'm friends with all the guys on the team. Uh, coaching staff's been great. Um, all the support staff I've gotten to know well strength staff the coaching the rest of my players so you know I'm definitely more comfortable than I was you know as a true freshman 18 year olds coming to South Bend for the first time yeah I can imagine you know because again he was he was out there last spring and it's a lot different situation this year after you've got that you know actual playing experience for one under your belt plus just a year of you've gone through summer school now you've gone through off-season workouts you've gone through a full season with the team got on the field played you know a little bit both home and away you've been in some different environments and now you're you're going into a spring where 
instead of, hey, I've got this grad transfer in front of me on the depth chart and uh, Drew Pine as well, you're, you're actually out there as the front runner for uh, you know being the number one quarterback this season. But again, he had at least one pass attempt and at least two rushing attempts in 10 games for the Irish last season. Uh, his most extended experience was the Virginia Tech game when he came in in relief of Jack Cohn. He went 6 of 14, did throw a couple interceptions, but he had a touchdown pass and a touchdown run, 113 yards through the air and another 67 on the ground. Again, in what his was his his uh, most extended playing time. So, what's the biggest thing that Tyler Buckner learned last year as a freshman quarterback? You know, probably the biggest thing I learned from Jack and the coaches, and just being around uh, this program, is that you know you can't just do what's required. Doing required, doing what is required is great, but that, that's not the standard. That that's doing the very minimum. But if you want to be great here and you want to play and you want to you want to start and you want to be really really good, you got to do the extra things. And I think that's something. Uh, the most. And again, I think that's doubly important when you're talking about the quarterback position. Doing the minimum is not going to cut it. You've got to you know, be the guy in the film room, crunching film, looking at uh, not only opposition but yourself as well and figuring out what you can work on. Speaking of which, what specifically is he working on right now? Yeah, you know, it's probably just like throwing-wise, it's like my front shoulder, keep my front shoulder tight, and then uh, keeping a good base and really using – the ground uh see as much power as i can do using the ground to get as much power as he can and it sounds like you know that's uh, things are going well for him along those lines just in terms of specific mechanics that he was touching on right there but uh it, it is a a quarterback competition that he's going through this spring and how just mentally prepared was he for that coming into this spring i think it's just about like being where your feet are and doing everything uh one step at a time you know, wake up, have my cup of coffee, go to class, do workouts, everything. Just just do, uh, just set out a good schedule. It's kind of what I do, set out a good schedule and, you know, take it every day, day by day. You know, try to avoid the noise and just uh, keep your head down, keep working. And, uh, yeah. I think it's, it's funny that uh, he used that term, where your feet are, because that was something that uh, when I asked his offensive coordinator, Tommy Reese, about whether or not he had NFL aspirations. That was one of the first things, uh, one of the first little terms that he used. So, uh, Tyler Buckner, be where your feet are. I, I, I would say that uh, it's pretty safe to say that, that that came from his offensive coordinator, Tommy Reese. But what about the interaction, interaction in the quarterback room? You've got Buckner, you've got Drew Pine, you've got Steve Angeli, you've got Ron Paulus III as well. Yeah, so, you know, with Jack leaving, Jack was obviously great. And uh, so now it's me, Drew, Ronnie, and Steve. So Steve's new. Um, Steve's been awesome. He's been a great addition to the quarterback room. Uh, you know, we get along really well. Um, we all help each other and support each other on the field. We watch film together after practice. You know, it's a great room. Um, those guys are probably some of my best buddies, on, you know, here. So. And uh, finally, what excites Tyler Buckner about the Notre Dame offense this spring? Yeah, you know, we return a lot of receivers. Um Logan Diggs, running backs, Chris, Audrey. I mean, we got studs up front. Um, we're going to be – I think we're going to be really good. Um, we've got some great uh, O-line and some guys who can make plays outside. All right, so there is Tyler Buckner and a big part of the Notre Dame offense this spring anyway, battling for that quarterback starting job for the Fighting Irish. And we'll talk more Notre Dame football in just a minute. But we started off with basketball on the men's side and coming into – Today, I thought that this little development with Maya Dodson on the women's team might be the bigger uh, basketball development. But now Blake Wesley 
it turns out. Again, if you uh, missed it off the top of the show, uh, Mike Bray saying earlier today that Blake Wesley is testing the NBA waters. He has until June 1st to uh, either fully declare for the NBA draft or pull his name out of the draft process and come back to school for another year. But uh, Maya Dodson, um, she's filed paperwork for inclusion in the WNBA draft, and it's significant because Dodson's been working to return to Notre Dame next season. She is a fifth-year grad transfer from Stanford who just finished her first season at Notre Dame and one of the top post players in the ACC, if not the entire country. She was named first-team All-ACC on the coaches ballot this year and made the ACC's All-Defensive team as well, eighth in the nation in block shots this season. And I talked to her here on Budweiser's Weekday Sports Beat a few weeks back, and she talked about just how her game she now she is the season she has had this year is the most balanced all around season she has had and she talked about how that there was a difference in those three years that she was at Stanford I think um we've had Stanford has great players sure. um and the biggest thing was though uh you have to play in the system and that's why they're a great team and they won a championship but uh, what I learned is what I wanted my game to be was more than what would maybe just fit the mold of uh, what uh, gets championships, which is right. great. But um, I've always wanted to reach my full potential. I have aspirations to play in the WNBA. And um, I felt like freshman, sophomore year, I was able to improve, but then you kind of get to that limit. And I felt like I wasn't getting past that limit of, um, growth and I wanted to be able to be the best I can be so that's something that I I wanted to do here in Notre Dame and again when you look at her game right now it is much more developed overall than what it was as a freshman she played in 33 games only averaged three and a half points and two rebounds per game as a sophomore 26 games started a few 13 averaged seven points four and a half rebounds now as a junior in 2020 she uh, played in just nine games, seven starts, five points, 3.7 rebounds was her average. She injured her foot, though, and that was kind of the, the start of essentially kind of the end of her Stanford days. A total of 68 games in three seasons. Now, she opted out last season, the COVID season, uh, due to, well, she just decided that she wasn't going to play, and Stanford went on to win a national championship, but again, her best year at Stanford, numbers-wise, seven points, four and a half rebounds. This year, her first year at Notre Dame, 12.6 points a game, 7.3 rebounds, 91 total blocks in 33 games, which was eighth in the nation. She had 78 total blocks in her three seasons at Stanford, and uh, she told me again in that interview here on Sportsbeat about how the Notre Dame staff really has helped her blossom uh, this year. Yeah, I definitely think um, beginning of the season, I, I knew that Coach Ivy and the coaches and all my teammates um, had full confidence in me, but I was still used to being, you know, restricted and just mentally. And I talked to the CEO, Coach Ivy, like, you know, you can do whatever you want. We just have the most confidence in you. And just being able to play more games and saying, hey, like, I can do this. I can be um, more free and figure things out. And I'm not really sure when – uh that click if I was going to guess maybe when we played DePaul I had a really great game then mm -hmm. I, I think that was one of those games where um 
I was just able to just be in the zone and just do whatever I needed to do for us to win. Um, but definitely, I don't even, I don't know. It's, it's just spring now. Um, just being able to go out there and just know that I know what I need to do and um, my coaches and my teammates trust me. And finally, she talked about just being a better overall offensive player. Stanford, I was definitely more, my role was defense, which I still do great defensively, but I never really got push to be more than just a role player offensively mm-hmm. and learn how to score. And I think that was one of the biggest challenges, especially when we went against um, tough opponents, was not going back to just being that defensive player that I'm used to, but also remembering that to be aggressive on offense and look for my shot. And I think that's what I've learned, and I'm, I'm continuing to improve on this season. But um, I think that's the one thing I'm really proud of. So, again, that's Maya Dodson and uh, a different situation than Blake Wesley because she would like to come back, it sounds like, to Notre Dame for sure. She's filed paperwork with the NCAA, a petition for a sixth year of eligibility. And, again, even though she opted out, she opted out last year, so she doesn't get, you know, that, that same kind of COVID exemption that everyone else has because of that she was not with the team last year Uh, this goes back the petition goes back to her junior season at Stanford when she only played in nine games due to a foot injury that she had and that that really lingered so she's waiting on the NCAA but the WNBA draft is April 11th which is just 12 days away so she still could come back but if she's draft you know so it's like there's there's a lot more going on right there with Maya Dodson and with Blake Wesley. So we'll see what happens with both of them, and we'll continue the conversation. Blake Wesley and Notre Dame football coming up with Brian Driscoll from irishbreakdown.com in just a moment. Budweiser's weekday sports beat is brought to you by Budweiser, the king of beers, locally distributed by United Beverage Company of South Bend. Sports fans, this Bud's for you. Midland Engineering Company beginning their second century of quality roofing experience. Tim Growl State Farm Insurance. Save money on home and auto insurance with Tim, serving both Indiana and Michigan. Call 574-232-9981. Barnabies of Mishawaka and Granger, serving our community while serving Michiana's most favorite pizza since 1978. The Food Bank of Northern Indiana. Hunger's a story we can end. Find out how at feedindiana.org. The Mishawaka Education Foundation, granting a better future. And Wings Etc. Grill and Pub with 14 Michiana area locations. Stop in today or order online at togo.wingsetc.com. We'll talk with Brian Driscoll from irishbreakdown.com coming up next on Budweiser's Weekday Sports Beat. Budweiser's Weekday Sports Beat rolls on on Sports Radio 960 AM WSBT. Joined right now by Brian Driscoll from irishbreakdown.com. How are you today? I'm doing great. I've been sneezing for the last hour. So I was going to say a little weird. I was. I, we were talking off the air. It sounded like yeah, maybe you're coming I, down with a little something. Well, you over know, there. I've never had allergies before, but I feel like the last couple of days I felt like like my wife does when she starts getting allergies. Like yeah. where you're just constantly congested and like sneezing a ton. But I'm not sick. It's very strange. I've had the uh, like I've had the sinus drain <laughs> myself. Yeah, it's a little weird. So yeah, it's yeah. A little weird. That's a lot of fun so far. But I'm still sharp, baby. I'm ready to talk some ball. We can talk basketball if you want to today. I think. A yeah, bit. I mean, we got this news about Blake Wesley today. I, I'm curious, you know, and and for for our listeners maybe who 
weren't with me in the first segment or at the top of the hour, Mike Bray said on a radio show in Chicago today that Blake Wesley is going to test the NBA waters. Um, he's got until June 1st to either fully declare for the draft. You know, he'll go through the draft workout process and all that kind of stuff so he can either fully declare for the NBA draft or pull his name out and come back to school. What, uh, what do you think of the whole situation? Well, I mean, I, I think with basically what the NBA draft has turned into, it makes sense for Blake Wesley to go pro, depending on which mock drafts you look at. You know, I've seen some that have him in the top 15 to 20. I've seen some at the bottom of the first round. And the NBA draft, more than any other any other draft that I follow, of sports I follow, is so much about potential. I mean, you could be a guy that doesn't score 10 points a game and go in the top 10. I mean, it, it really is just a... It's an unfortunate thing, and you know it's this era of hey, look, you got to get out as quickly as you can so you can get to your second contract as qu- quickly as you can. And my take is always, well, what if your game's not developed, and you're not going to be as valuable when your second contract comes? You know, so maybe put it off a year, and you know, continue to develop your game, continue to improve your jump shot, continue to improve your decision making, continue to improve your ability to play in big games, and and next year instead of being the twentieth pick, you can be a top ten pick. Uh, but you know, it's it's uh, it's an unfortunate thing, but I mean, I think the postseason showed Sean that his game still needs a ton of work. You know, he had the great finish against Alabama, but if you go back to the ACC tournament, he was not very good. wasn't He was pretty awful against Rutgers, especially down the stretch. Right, and he was pretty bad against Texas Tech when it, at least scoring wise. You know, I thought you know rebounded well and, and played decent, def- pretty good defense. But you know, his offensive game needs a lot of work, but he's got a ton of potential. And that's why he's going to get drafted. And that's what the NBA draft has turned into now. Well, and it's interesting because, of course, Mike Bray was saying that he's going to test the waters. But then you sent me this article. As I was kind of working on finding the Mike Bray audio that I played, uh, you sent me this story from ESPN.com. And he is here's the quote that he told ESPN. Quote, I plan on staying in the draft. I'm in a great position. I'm ready for the NBA. I'm ready to start my next journey end quote so he is saying that you know while his coach was saying he's going to test the waters and he just then Bray just said he must uh, met with Wesley and the family yesterday Wesley is is uh, quoted as saying he plans on staying in the draft so very as interesting. long as he doesn't hire an agent I'm okay with him having that mentality I really am as long as he stays eligible to come back it's kind of like if you're not fully invested in the draft process Hey, I'm in it. I'm going to I'm going to work. I'm going to improve my game. I'm going to go to this tryout. I'm going to go to this until that time comes where you have to make your decision. You need to be all in and you're not or the NBA's not going to see the best version of you. Yeah. As long as he maintains that open line to come back if things aren't going well or if he starts getting feedback about, you know, hey, look, you're going to be in the 20s. You may be a second round guy. You know how you finished is this or people are worried about that. As long as he keeps that potential to come back there, I'm okay with him having the mentality of, I'm going to go get ready for this. I'm ready for this next journey. He's going to have to have that mentality if he's going to have a great offseason and position himself to be picked high in the draft. Because I think the most important thing is he can have that mentality, but he also still needs to listen to whatever feedback that he gets right. from these people. And if you know, right. And if it's looking like he's not going – because I was – you know, breaking it down, the difference between being a lottery pick and being drafted in the bottom third of the draft, which is essentially where he's projected, he's projected around mm-hmm. 20, which is, you know, still the bottom third. But you're talking about essentially like five to seven million dollars a year difference, which over right. the span of a rookie contract is 15 to 20 plus million dollars. So, you know, there's 
there's a big difference there, being oh, yeah. a lottery pick and being picked at the bottom end of the first round. Yeah, I mean, if you look at last year, I mean, the total contract for the guys taken in the the top, like, see, about eight or nine was $20 million. Then you get down to the bottom of the draft, and last five guys, it's around 10, mm-hmm. you know, and so, you know, that's a, that's a big jump. And then, uh, you know, it's just, and then it's also about, okay, where's your game? Where's your level of development right now in regards to, being able to kind of go out and take your game to the next level. And, and I think a guy that, that if I were to be advising, you know, Blake Wesley, a guy that I would kind of point to is, is Franz, Franz Wagner from Michigan. And, you know, he was a guy that people are actually talking about maybe coming out after his freshman year, even though he didn't put up like monster numbers as a freshman at Michigan. You know, he was a good player, uh, you know, but he averaged 11.6 points. And, you know, I, I think Blake Wesley is a little bit better prospect than him, but his game really developed that second year at Michigan. You know, he shot better. He's a better decision maker. He was a better rebounder. He tripled his assist margin. Yeah. He lowered his turnover ratio. And he, even though he only averaged 12 and a half points per game, he went in the top 10. And, you know, when I, when I look at Blake Wesley and, you know, he's not quite as long as, as, as Franz Wagner, but, you know, I think that's the kind of similar jump that I think he can make if he were to come back and be dedicated to really, you know, improving his all around game and, and the, especially the way the guards develop under Mike Bray. Uh, you know, I think that would be good for him. But like you said, as long as he keeps that lines of communication open and, and it takes that feedback, then I think – because that's what Wagner did. I mean, yeah, I believe he exactly. tested the waters after his freshman year, and he was getting, you know, late first-round feedback. He went back to school, and next thing you know, he's – what was he? I think he was like eighth or ninth, right, last Sounds year? Sounds right. Which, yeah. Which is a pretty big jump. And, you know, and, and again, he averaged 12 points a game as you know in, in high school or in college. Uh, you know, but his game in the NBA was was much more ready. He averaged 15 points a game this year in the NBA, 4.6 rebounds. So he, even though he's a year behind in regards to getting that second year contract, his game was so much better prepared for him to now go out and be successful. So there's a chance for him to be even more valuable uh, with that second contract and get more money that way too. What would you think? Would you like to see football have a process like this where you can no. you know sort of test and, oh, yes. and come back? Here's the problem with football, Sean, is because of the, the timing of the draft. Like I know. The, the NBA, I the was NBA, thinking the yeah, same thing. Right. The NBA draft happens, and this whole process happens, it doesn't interfere with basketball at all. Where if guys are going to be, let's just say hypothetically, Kyron Williams had, had kept the, that this was available in, in college football, and Kyron Williams was able to kind of test the NFL draft, right? And let's say in two weeks that process comes where he can kind of withdraw. Well, he's now missed out on the entire offseason with his teammates, right? So no work, no winter workouts, no developing in part of your team, no, no being through the spring, which may not hurt Kyron's ability, but it hurts your team, in my opinion, because he wasn't around, he wasn't putting in the same work, he wasn't investing with you. All the running backs that were here were putting the work, now all of a sudden they're getting pushed down the depth chart because he's back. It just doesn't make a lot of sense in football, yeah. Uh, unless it's going to be a much sooner process, you know, where maybe by the end of February you have to make that decision. Uh, that's about the only way I think it would work, which I wouldn't be opposed to. I, I really wouldn't like if hey, you know, move the combine up to to February, move maybe some of the pro days up a little bit earlier, and you know, be able to kind of go through that process to where before your you know March first, because most springs start in March, not all. Some start earlier in those southern states with beautiful weather, <laughs> but uh, most start in you know March and go through April. If you could get it to where the the decision has to be made before spring ball starts then I'd be much more open to having that conversation about the NFL allowing in college 
college lot, especially now these kids that more, you know, they have to have agents now. Right. And that's you know, just, mean, just what, you know, the way you've, it's just the calendars, you know, in, in football, everyone, right. you know, college wants to have their spring practice and the NFL's not going to budge on their draft and push that back any farther right. because they want their OTAs and their mini camps and all that right. stuff. So yeah, right. it's tough. It's tough. It'd have to be a sped up process. Yep. Brian Driscoll from irishbreakdown.com. We talked the other day about Dante Moore, everyone's favorite five-star quarterback who spent a lot of time on campus this week. Any uh, any any rumblings, any feedback on how things went? It's been eerily quiet, to be completely honest with you. I mean, other than, hey, look, it went great, and he loved it. The staff feels great about where things stand. Uh, you know, it just the, it's just the typical, oh, it's great, it's awesome, it went great, we loved it, he loved it, everything is good. We haven't got a whole lot other than that. And, you know, there's still some uncertainty about a couple of visits he was going to make and whether he's going to make those now. So it's been kind of eerily quiet, more so than normal. You know, some of the people that I normally call and they pick up their phone and, and, and give me information are, you know, not picking up the phone to mm. the last 24 hours. So, mm. um very curious, but that's usually, I mean, I, that usually is, is ends up being a good sign, but we'll, we'll see how it plays out. But I, I, I still feel Notre Dame is, and I felt this for a while, Notre Dame is in great shape when it comes to Dante Moore. It's, it's, to me, it's more about a matter of when, not necessarily if at this point in time. Well, has he laid out a timeline of when he would like to announce his commitment, any of that kind of stuff, if you heard He anything? has given multiple different answers for that. I mean, okay. that's, that's the thing, and Dante is good at this. A lot of these kids are – because of the way that recruiting is covered now, <laughs> right? They have to. Otherwise, you know, there's going to be 87 crystal balls, and there's no suspense for your decision, and there's all those type of things, and it takes a lot of the, the joy of what these kids are trying to do away. A lot of these kids know how to play the game, you know. And and my understanding, talking to sources, is that they expect it to be him to make a decision, you know, by the end of April. But you know, Dante could always decide to push this back. I think the big concern now, people ask me, who's the number two team? I was like, there really isn't one. It's Notre Dame or he's going to just continue to push this process back because he's not necessarily sold on Notre Dame and then be open to another school, even though I don't know if that number, second school has presented itself at this point in time. NFL just changed its overtime rule for the postseason yesterday. Now, I know you and I have talked about the the overtime rules, you know, before – does college? They went to this two-point shootout last year. Do they? Do they just need to get rid of that and go back to the system they had before? What What would you do with overtime in college? I think it speaks volumes about your character when you can admit you've made a mistake and change it quickly. <laughs> and that's what the NCA needs to do. That's the stupidest thing ever. Uh, you know, I, I've, I've said before they they can't have the the college rule the way that it is now. I don't think going back to the way it was before works either because they are concerned about, you know, time of games and, you know, all these type of snaps and all this other kind of stuff. I will still contend that what they need to do is adopt the old college rule, but just move it back 15 to 20 yards. You know, start at midfield or start at the 40 where you've got to get a first down right before you can be in scoring position. And, you know, I think if you do that, then I think it puts even more value on having a good kicker. Uh, but more so, it, it it you you, the odds of two teams starting at the forty and keep scoring touchdowns is going to be greatly diminished, and I think that would be something that, like I said before, right now you could start at the twenty five, not gain a yard, and you're at a, you're sitting there at a forty three yard field goal, which is makeable for a lot of kickers, right? You know where you've got to at least get a first down before you're in that situation. That's that's what I still think they should. I, I like the college NFL. I, I I like the format of it. It's just. 
It just needs some tinkering. Tweak it I, a little I, bit. I like, yeah. yeah, exactly. I, I, I like it a whole lot more than the NFL. But I just think it just, you know, tinker with it as opposed to just this nonsense of, you know, these two-point shootouts and all this other yeah. ridiculousness. That was stupid. That was It was. Stupid. It's in the NCAA, though. So, I mean, what do you expect? Very true. I mean, that's, Very that's true. That's what they do. Stupid decisions and stupid rules. I wanted to, uh, I wanted to ask you, Pitt... You know, they won the ACC championship, pit football, of course, I'm talking about. And they just announced a contract extension with Pat Narduzzi that's going to run through 2030. And to me, it says, oh, you know, we're okay with just being a pretty good program. What yes, do you think? A hundred percent agree with you. And, you know, the fact that they're not smart enough to realize that he had his first non-bad season in the year of the <laughs> ACC stunk. I mean, this is this is he is so consistently mediocre. It's not even funny. I mean, yeah. this is Pat Narduzzi's record at Pitt before this year: eight and five, eight and five, five and seven, seven and seven, eight and five, six and five. That's been his record at Pitt. And then the one year where you know Miami's down and Clemson is down and all these other programs, and they have a generational quarterback, which they also had. Yeah, they go eleven and three and and still get beat by Michigan State in a bowl game. You know, still still getting you know embarrass themselves at home against Miami. Still stinking loss at home to Western Michigan. <laughs> if they don't lose at home to Western Michigan, they might have a case for the playoff. You know, and that res- you know true. that that right there is going to result in him getting a contract extension for like a decade. You are correct. Hey, we are perfectly fine not sucking. Yeah, that's our standard here at Pitt. Not don't suck as long as you don't stink. We're happy with what you're doing. Plus, he's not a really nice guy. I'm not overly fond of Pat Narduzzi yeah. as a person either. Never been high uh, on yeah, myself either. He, so. He's been a, he's been mediocre for uh, his whole career. I mean he he's going he's in year seven. Like Mel Tucker did what he did in year two. Right. Right. Like so. There's a little bit more like oh wow like Coach Tucker did a great job. He inherited a program that was a mess, and he was able to get that sucker turned around fast. And and you know and then goes out and beats Narduzzi in a bowl game. I mean he did in year two what it took you know Pat Narduzzi seven years to do. And so yeah, I, I think you're absolutely right that the statement it says is that we are perfectly fine being above average as long as you don't stink. We'll reward you a bit. Yeah. All right, Brian. What else is going on at IrishBreakdown.com right now? Well, I got a I got an interesting article out today, Sean, and it's got some linebacker recruiting updates on it, and it talks about the really just. Notre Dame's going to face some really good quarterbacks next year on defense. <laughs> and and then also, um, just, you know, the whole position U, Q, QBU, O-line U, tight end U, just kind of rank the positions on defense of most important to develop that, you know, DNU or linebacker U or cornerback U. I kind of talk about that and which ones I think are most important for Notre Dame if they're going to really, like, build themselves into a, a – a, a yearly annual championship title contender. What would it? What were the positions that are most important to being great at in that? In Sounds that good. Climb. Sounds yeah. good to me. Brian Driscoll, Breakdown.com. So. All right, <laughs> have to check it out. All right, buddy. I will talk to you later. Thanks, Sean. Okay, take care, Brian Driscoll, IrishBreakdown.com. Vince Diderio, another IrishBreakdown.com slash WSBT guy, is going to join me in the six o'clock hour. Tonight, we've got all kinds of rapid-fire topics coming up for you, and I've got more Budweiser's Weekday Sports Beat coming up next. Budweiser's Weekday Sports Beat continues. We've got Women's Final Four. We've got Men's Final Four. Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday. We've got all the games from the Men's and Women's Final Fours coming up here on Sports Radio 960 AM. Friday, the women 
It starts with the number one overall seed, South Carolina, against Louisville. That game will tip off at 7 o'clock. Our pregame coverage starts at 6.30 Friday night. And then the second game Friday night in the women is two-seed UConn, number one-seed Stanford, last year's national champion. That'll tip at around 9.30. Of course, the women's championship game will be Sunday. And then Saturday, we've got the men's final for 6.09. It is Kansas and Villanova. And then after that, at around 9 o'clock, it will be Duke and North Carolina. And, of course, the men's championship game is Monday night. So we've got all that Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday, men's and women's final fours and national championship games coming up right here on Sports Radio 960 AM WSBT. After a timeout, we've got a Sports Center update and Vince D'Addario coming up in the 6 o'clock hour for some rapid fire as well on Budweiser's Weekday Sports Beat. You're listening to Budweiser's Weekday Sports Beat with Sean Styers on Sports Radio 960 AM WSBT. Six o'clock hour, Budweiser's Weekday Sports Beat. Vince Dario along, driving home from baseball practice right now. <laughs> Another day in the gym. That's right. Cruddy weather outside. I picked my daughter up at work, and she said, it was pouring down rain this afternoon. <laughs> she was watching it dump out there, she said. so. Yeah, it definitely was. And uh, there was a little break in the weather. Like right now, it's not raining hard, but it rained so hard that the field is pretty much unplayable at the moment. Yeah. So back to the gym we went. Springtime in South Bend. You got to love yeah. it. Now, this is like you guys could start playing. Like the official start date is has begun, Listen, correct? Yes. It was this past Monday, and we had a game scheduled for yesterday, which got banged uh, because of the cold. And we had a game scheduled for tomorrow, which I would say is teetering on the edge of uh, extinction. But um, And then we have another game on Saturday. So we had three games scheduled this week, and we have yet to play any of them. Yeah. That's always fun. Here's here's what I don't get, because spring break is coming up next week. I still don't understand why, you know, with all this is like, you know, spring break comes right at the start of, you know, baseball and, you know, softball is just getting underway really still is what, why don't they just do spring break earlier in March and, and then let the softball and baseball, you know, official practices and all that stuff get started. I don't get it, but. I, I, I can't say I disagree with you, and usually they try to butt, you know, uh, spring break up with Easter, but Easter is so late this year right. that we have spring break, and then we have a four-day week because of Good Friday and then Easter. Yeah. And that doesn't make a whole lot of sense either because we're playing a game on Good Friday. Yeah. Okay, well, baseball venting is done. Let's let's <laughs> talk about let's talk about some someone else from, from Riley High School. Vince, yeah. of course, the baseball coach. At Riley, so Mike Bray went on 670 The Score, the Mully and Ha show this morning, and the last question they asked him was about Blake Wesley, his freshman. There's been all this speculation: Is Wesley going to stay in school for another year? Is he going to declare for the draft? And here is what Mike Bray had to say about that. 
Yeah, no, I had a great meeting in, uh, with his family last night. Went over to the house there in South Bend. It's great when you have a recruit in South Bend. I haven't had many. You know, you, you, you know I haven't. Demetrius Jackson and him, you drive across, you drive, you know, down the road and take a right, and you're doing a home visit with a great player. I haven't had that happen much in South Bend. Chicago, it happens all the time. Yeah. But it doesn't happen in South Bend. But, uh, um, no, he will test the waters. He, he was going to test the waters but keep his eligibility and keep the option to come back. So basically you're on a two month evaluation process because June one is the date he would have to return. If he comes back, um, they are going into this very level headed. Uh, he is a great story, how he's emerged from kind of no one knew him, uh, to a potential first round top 20 pick. And, and as I told the family last night, if he does what I think he could do out there in these workouts, and he's a first-round lottery pick and he chooses to go, I will lead the parade out of town. And the only thing I said was, I better have a seat in the green room at the table. And, 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 and you know, that, that, that's my role. And as much as I want to coach him again, you know, I've been in this long enough, you got to let – I remember Troy Murphy coming into my office and going, Coach, i, I got to go. And I stood up, shook his hand, I go, yes, you do. Congratulations. You got to go. And he was the 14th pick and he made $70 million and, and, and the whole bit. So, so, so he will do that. And again, that is Mike Bray on 670, the score uh, earlier today in Chicago. So Vince, what do you think? Well, I will put my, I don't know. I don't know what kind of hat this is, but it seems like something got lost in translation. Um, between that meeting last night and well, yeah, because uh, the other Twitter thing is, today. yeah, there's a there's a story at ESPN.com that says Wesley has no plans to return to the Fighting Irish. Right. Quote: I plan on staying in the draft. End quote. He told ESPN, "Quote: I'm in a great position. I'm ready for the NBA. I'm ready to start my next journey." End quote. Now, I'll just say about that. Brian Driscoll and I talked about it as well. He can go into that. Go into this process with that mentality, and that's fine. You know, and at least as far as what he he and his family just told Mike Bray last night that Mike Bray is relaying, he's saying that he can pull his name out. He can go into the process with that idea, but I think the most important thing is he listens to whatever feedback that he gets from these guys because if the feedback that he gets is other than you know, you're going to be, you know, at least a mid to high first round guy. Da 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 da. da you know, absolutely. absolutely. Yeah. yeah. No, no question, question about, about it. it. Um, am I on the phone still, or am I? You are. Not? You are now. You are now on the better okay. audio. Yeah, so you can okay. hang up your phone. There we go. Okay. <laughs> Excellent. All right. So so here's my thing. Um, my sources, and I have many of them since in this particular situation because it hits very He went to Riley me. High School. You coach yes. at Riley High School. So yes. Yeah. And my sources have told me all along that his plan was to leave. And, you know, so th- today's announcement did not surprise me in any way. The biggest surprise for me was Mike Bray saying that they're going into this level-headed, et cetera, et cetera. When that didn't – that's not the 
gist that I was getting from the people that I talked to. Like sure. it was, ne- it was never really on the table and, and they, they was going to go for a myriad of reasons. And we don't need to get into all of those, but his plan was always to leave. And that's his prerogative. I mean, he, look, he's, he, if, if he thinks he's going to be a first round draft pick and he's going to be able to play in the NBA, then by all means, go do that. I mean, that, the purpose of college is to prepare you for the next stage of your life, right? And if the next stage of his life is the NBA, then that's fantastic. Now, from a basketball standpoint, personally, I would say that he needs another year, especially with the way things kind of went down towards the end of the year. I and felt I, like and his, I think most people you know, who look at him see that. Yes. Uh, you know. Absolutely. And I don't think there's talent can... there. Nobody doubts that. No. But there's still a difference between being a lottery pick top of the draft and a bottom right. third guy because those guys in the even if you're a first round guy you know you'll you'll yeah you'll have some money but there's a big difference one in the money and two you could still end up you know being a a, a two-way guy a two-way contract guy which Absolutely. means g league and ask demetrius jackson what kind of guarantees come with that Took the words right out of my mouth. That's exactly what I was going to say as well. And, and look, Demetrius has made a lot of money being in the NBA and being a two-way player, um, but obviously he didn't stick. And that is a re- – I'm sorry, that's a very real possibility here. Right. Now, the potential for Blake is very good, and he will get drafted, I'm sure, based on potential. And that's fine. How many NBA lottery picks have we seen that are drafted based on potential? Some of them work out. Some of them don't. Um, I, I would think in, it would be in Blake's best interest to come back from a basketball standpoint. I think his numbers were a bit padded against some soft ACC teams. And when the stakes were really high, I don't think he really came through. And But again, he's a freshman. That's somewhat to be expected right. uh, to a degree, right? I, I, I'm not going to bang him for that. He should come back. But again, I don't have this decision sitting on my plate. I'm not looking at a blank check either. So, you know, I'm going to respect whatever decision that he wants to make. I'm sure Irish fans are upset that he's not coming back. Yeah, and I mean, at the end of the day, even though there's still, a, you know, again, the difference in the contracts of a lottery pick compared to a guy who's potentially going to be drafted, in the, and that's where he's projected, around 20th right now, which is bottom third of the draft. And again, throughout this, whatever happens in these workouts, you don't know which way that's going to go. You know, does that bump right. him up? Does that knock him down? Yeah. You don't You don't yeah. know what it's going to do, but you're still talking about over the, the course of a rookie contract, you're, you're talking a, a difference if you're a lottery pick compared to bottom third of the draft in 15 to even $30 million, you know, depending Absolutely. on what slot you end up going in. So... Yeah, you'll still have you know some millions of dollars, but there's a huge difference. Absolutely, be, be, you know, d- depending on where you get picked there, and but and I, the guarantees was, that come with it as well. Sure, and I just I just flipped on my Twitter, and uh, his mom Leslie Wesley already tweeted that he's leaving. So I don't know how level headed they're wow. going into this whole process. So <laughs> she tweeted the ESPN article and said, "Freshman Blake Wesley, ready to start my next journey. We'll leave Notre Dame to en- enter the NBA draft." So. Interesting. If mom is retweeting and tweeting and all these different things. I just I don't see the whole level-headed part of it. But again, if that's what he wants to do and it's a family decision, then so be it. Yeah, and I mean it's still millions of dollars. Again, are still millions of <laughs> dollars. But you know, again, when there are things in his game that obviously need to be improved, and it starts with just the his physical stature at six five, one hundred and eighty five pounds. 
the Duke game, the Texas Tech game are the two big right. ones that come, you know, to to the front. And even the Rutgers game to an extent, the kind of because what you said, padding his stats against maybe some lower end competition in the ACC, when you're talking about the top teams in the conference, his worst, you know, or the NCAA tournament, his worst statistical games were against those teams. And, you know, right. there's there's game, there's player, you know, there's there's skill development that needs to be honed still. And you just you know, and so you do hope that he doesn't end up being a guy who's sitting, you know, at the the end of the bench on an NBA team and then three years down the road, you know, things end up going another direction. Or, you know, because something else that I've, you know, even though like the G League is supposed to be about player development and all that kind of stuff, I just read something the other day totally unrelated to him that's basically the, the guys who get the most out of the G League are guys – who realize what kind of spot they're fighting for if they get to the NBA. And that is sure. typically a role player type situation. And, and what they said in this, this article was most guys who are playing in the G League think that they're playing to be a star. And that's why so many guys, you know, fizzle out or linger in the G League for so long because they don't understand what it is they're playing for, you know, to get, you know, if, if they get to the NBA with these two-way contracts and things like that. So that can be a long battle. If you know yeah. again, if you end up being a guy who's drafted at the bottom of the first round and you end up with one of those two-way contracts, again, you'll get some money up front, you'll get something. It's not like you're going to get nothing, but at the same time, it can still be an uphill battle to end up, you know, really being a productive NBA player long term. So, it's going to be yeah, really interesting. I wish them nothing but the best, but yeah. I, I hope that if that is the case, the 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 path that you just outlined, I hope that he has the patience to do. Because if he does, then he could potentially, you know, be somebody and last and all of that stuff. But um, well, I guess we'll just wait and see. Yep, absolutely. Okay, so again, as as Vince just said, Leslie Wesley Blake's mom <laughs> has, uh, and I'm trying to see if I can find it myself here on Twitter. Is it Leslie Ann Wesley? It is. Okay. So Leslie Ann Wesley tweets, freshman Blake Wesley, ready to start my next journey, will leave Notre Dame to enter NBA draft via ESPN app. So there you go. So it's level-headed. Yeah. And (laughs) so, of course, you know, there are a lot of responses who are telling him what decision he should be made. You know, there's some saying good luck and stuff like that. But, you know, then you've got other guys saying. And look, I mean, Twitter – Twitter has given everybody an opinion, obviously. Yeah. But when it's a kid, just relax, everybody. If this is his right. decision, then so be it. I mean, you're entitled to your opinion, but you don't have to comment on his post or his mom's post telling him it's the wrong decision. You know, and I, the, the, the other side of this is if if he does end up for, you know, for sure, you know, going through this draft process and, and being drafted, he's going to be the first one and done player ever. At Notre Dame, and I and I realize, especially at a place like Notre Dame, where we're used to guys staying so much longer, you know, like at least sure. three years. I realize that maybe that is kind of tough to digest, and you know, the fact that you're losing out on a talented player like that so quickly. But I mean, just look at the successful programs. The most successful programs across the country have been dealing with this phenomenon, the one and done, for a long time. 
So it's 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 actually it may not seem like it, but in a in sort of a roundabout way, it is actually a good thing for your program because it means right. that you do have a different level of player that you haven't had in a while. So yeah, absolutely. So it's going to be honestly, it's going to be very interesting to see if this is going this kind of recruiting is going to continue with the with Notre Dame, right? Because yeah. it's not the typical way that they go about their business, uh, and so. Is this going to be the future of Notre Dame recruiting? I, I'd well, be interested to see. You know, and there are, there are a couple other sides of this as well. And again, as someone, Vince, who works and coaches at Riley, and you and I have broadcast a lot of Riley and Blake Wesley's games over the last few years, I mean, we've seen this guy. And, and I don't think, not I don't think, I know neither one of us thought that Blake Wesley was going to be able to jump in and do what he has done this year. Uh, you know, I, th- I think yeah. we thought, I think everyone thought, Mike Bray included, you know, just talking, you know, just like I remember going out there to the summer workouts, you know, when we got to go to a practice or two this summer when, when he was out there, you know, they weren't talking about he's going to jump into the starting lineup and he's going to be the score. They were talking more about his defense. And, you know, because I've, I've heard some of the, the contradictory fans saying, well, Bray didn't even know what he was going to get with this guy. And, you know, how much did he see of Blake Wesley and all that? I mean, you remember a couple of years ago, we saw Mike Bray out there at, at sectionals talking with yeah. <laughs> Leslie Wesley and, you know, oh, the yeah. whole, you know, in the stands watching his games. And, you know, but again, he was there. He was he was at these games. And, you know, to say that, well, Mike Bray didn't know what he was going to get. I don't think anyone knew what they were going to get. I with think that's Blake fair. Wesley. I think that's absolutely fair because I watched a lot of Blake Wesley games in high school and I didn't see this coming a mile away. Now I am not an NBA scout or any of those, those things, but I've seen a lot right. of high school basketball and and look, he had talent. There's no question about that, but I didn't see him being the type of player that he was at Notre Dame, even against the, the ACC foes that he had his success against. Yeah. I didn't even see that happening to be honest with you. And so he has already, gone beyond my expectations of what he could be in college and I certainly didn't think that he was going to be leaving after one year to go to the NBA so right um he's definitely done more than I ever thought that he would do so I mean congratulations to him on that no question yeah and it's and it's not a knock on him to say that it's just that this guy really rapidly because like he did we all knew that this was a guy based on the athleticism that he had and the, and the body type that he had, that he could explode to the basket, that he could get to the rim. Absolutely. And we have seen that this year. The three-point shot just in, you know, a year's time is w- – do you agree that it's better in college than what we saw of him as a high school player? More cons- oh, absolutely. You know? There's still and work I, to I, be done there, but it's better in, in just a year's look, time. I, I think a lot had to do with his lack of success in high school because I, I, obviously he got – he got on the radar of Notre Dame through the AAU process, not through high school, even though well, Riley's in the backyard. Yeah, of Notre exactly. Dame. Okay, exactly. and Blake Wesley had four different head coaches in high school. Four, mm-hmm. okay? He had a different head coach every single year no, that's, that he was in high school. That a very matters, you yeah. know what I mean? And I, I was talking to uh, his current – or not his current, his most recent high school coach, uh, who is the current head coach at Riley, and he was – I was saying, man, he has really improved from, you know, his senior year to his freshman year in college. And he's like, yeah, it's all about trust. Like he trusts his teammates around him. He's not trying to do everything himself. Right. Which 
makes a lot of sense. It absolutely makes a lot of sense. He trusted the seniors that were around him at Notre well, Dame. You know, and I get it. I, yeah, I totally it's it's it. different when you've got like skill around you yes. compared to you know because most of these guys when they are in high school, unless you're at a prep school or at some other you know typically private school that is stocked with talent, it's typically. You know, one or two guys who have this level of skill and, you know, essentially a bunch of, you know, high school level talent and or maybe a small school kind of, you know, that kind of thing. It's it's a lot different when you're at a yeah. at a at a power five school and you've got like skill around you Absolutely. compared to when you're in high school. All right, let's take a time out when we come back. Rapid fire. We've got a lot of topics from NFL overtime to the Colts and more on Budweiser's weekday sports beat. Rapid Fire starts now on Sports Radio 960 AM WSBT. And now your host, Sean Styers. Along with Vince D'Addario, Rapid Fire on Budweiser's weekday sports beat. Well, Vince, we spent like the last 15 or so minutes talking about Blake Wesley declaring for the <laughs> NBA draft. And in the meantime, the entire Notre Dame women's basketball roster might be <laughs> caving in. Uh, because three different players today announced their intent to uh, enter the uh, transfer portal. Abby Prohaska, I saw that one earlier this afternoon, and then both during the show and right before the show started, I did not see the tweets from Anaya Peoples and Sam Brunel, and uh, they have both decided, uh, they have both announced that they are entering the transfer portal as well, and then coupled with that, there's what's going to happen with Maya Dodson because she would like to come back, but she has also filed paperwork for the WNBA to potentially uh, enter the WNBA draft, which is just 12 days away. She's waiting on a decision from the NCAA. But the bigger thing right now, Sam Brunel, who is the number one ranked player in the country uh, coming out of Virginia, coming out of high school, uh, just finished her senior season Sam did not start a game she played 32 games for the Irish this season averaged 6.8 points per game and two and a half rebounds and Anaya Peoples who was also a five-star coming out of high school uh, also a junior they're both juniors she started 17 games to start the season then initially eventually uh, matriculated to the bench as Sonia Citron took over as a starter for Notre Dame, Peoples averaged 3.8 points and 3.8 rebounds. So uh, a roster that was already not very big. Those were the two key bench players this season, and they have both, along with Abby Prohaska, uh, announced their intention to transfer. So, you know, me, who called all the games, all 33 games for Notre Dame this season and all the games last year as well, uh, that is a pretty big blow predominantly because one Brunel is a forward. If Dodson leaves, you're talking about another post player. That leaves you with Matty Westbeld and Nat Marshall. Uh, Marshall, who was injured most of this season, and even when she was not injured, played 13 games, didn't play a lot, and they only currently have one incoming freshman next year, a really good one, but it's a guard, K.K. Bransford. So... Um, there's a lot that's going to have to be determined by Neil Ivey 
and the Fighting Irish women's basketball team as far as what their roster is going to look like next year now. Well, and you even, I, I believe you mentioned it off the air, uh, Sean, but they only have one recruit coming in as well, right? right. It's a one, a one woman recruiting class. Right. Exactly. And again, it's a guard, KK Bransford, two time Ms. Ohio basketball and a really good guard. But they're, you know, they're, they're obviously going to have to go out and uh, do some work in the transfer portal right now because you know losing Brunel and Peoples two really key Peoples their best defensive player Prohaska a pretty good defensive player as well and uh, Brunel good three-point shooter a similar game to Maddie Westbeld who is kind of you know after Brunel had a good freshman season in Muffet McGraw's final season Maddie Westbeld has uh, basically taken most of the minutes at that kind of small forward stretch for you know whatever you know you want to term it they don't necessarily term it that way but you know Maddie Westbelt has kind of taken over more of those minutes right now I'll be curious to see where Sam Brunel goes because I know she has a uh, uh, a very close friend who uh, is on the football team at Purdue you know whether or not such a dad there (laughs) it's her friend it's her good friend I wasn't sure you know I don't want it to sound (laughs) gossipy you know what I mean funny I just thought it was funny that was great Uh, so but he is at Purdue so I'll be curious to see if maybe Purdue becomes an option uh, for her but uh, you know you and I were texting yesterday and I mentioned this in uh, Sports Center yesterday Sydney Parrish at Oregon who is a sophomore this year she is from Fishers Indiana and she entered the transfer portal yesterday as well she is six foot two they list her as a guard but you know six two is a big guard and kind of you know in that mold of what Sam Brunel had now I did see she kind of had a list of some other schools you know that were higher on her list maybe than Notre Dame but with Brunel leaving Maybe this opens up an opportunity, you know, for Notre Dame to get in the mix with Sydney Parrish since, you know, she was seriously considering Notre Dame when she was coming out of high school and she ultimately picked uh, Oregon and she's a good three point shooter as well. So maybe Sydney Parrish is someone who ends up on the Notre Dame women's basketball team's radar now. I'll be really curious. Yeah, I think the next uh, few weeks are going to be very interesting for Notre Dame because I, I, I agree with you. I, I think that they're going to have to turn their sights at least to the transfer portal to look and see what there is, if, if for the very least, another body. Right. Um, you know, but, yeah, I think it's going to be very, very interesting to see if they turn up the heat on Sid Parrish since Notre Dame was in the mix in the first place when she was a, a high school uh, a young high school recruit. Yeah, and I mean, like when you look at what Neil Ivy has done these last two years, it's been all guards. It has been a point guard, Olivia Miles, last year, uh, a shooting guard, Sonia Citron, and then uh, K.K. Bransford for next year's class, the incoming freshman, three guards. And again, those are the only three players that she has signed so far. But they have also been three elite players coming out of high school. So, you know, I don't think, Especially for this year, you don't want to go out and get a body just to get a body, and then you know it, it ends up being maybe someone who's not playing that much and transfers themselves in a couple of years. I, the the transfer portal makes a lot of sense, but there's um, there's going to be a lot of work to be done. Losing both Sam Brunel and Anaya Peoples and Abby yeah. Prohaska as well. So we'll see where they go. All right, 
in uh, in terms of stuff that we were going to talk about <laughs> today. Yeah, right. Yeah, we're we're we only got like twenty minutes left of the cold show. We I know. Touched on any of it. I know. Um, a lot of people don't like this new overtime postseason rule that uh, you know postseason overtime rule that the NFL implemented yesterday. It gives both teams a guaranteed possession. They say it's bad for lovers of defense. Do you buy or sell that, Vince? I sell it because I think and I, look, we all know that this rule was made because of the uh, the playoff game between Chiefs, the Bills, Bills. and yeah. the Chiefs. There's no question about it, right? right. The, the NFL is so reactionary when it comes to these things and rule changes and all of that that has, something has to happen for them to want to change their rule. And so they did. I'm sorry, but as a fan of that game, I would have loved to see the Bills get the ball back. Okay. And I I'm a huge fan of the rule. I think I think it makes a lot of sense. This is the NFL. This is it's all about offense these days anyway. And anybody that says that it's not is kidding themselves. The rules are centered around protecting quarterbacks and making sure that points can be scored. And I want both offenses to touch the football, frankly. And so I, I have no problem with it. I love it. I'm, I, I love defense, too. Don't get me wrong. But if I'm watching the NFL, I want to see some points scored. So I'm all for it. Yeah, and that's I don't get it. You know, it's bad for lovers of defense or it de-emphasizes defense because under the current rule, only one defense potentially gets a chance to play. It's so... With the new rule, both offenses get to play, both defenses get to play. Both get a chance to show what they can do. So I don't understand how that's a bad thing because the whole idea was let both teams have the ball, but that also gives both defenses a chance to show whether or not they can make a stop, right? Right, so exactly. I don't, I don't get how that's a bad thing. I don't, I don't, I don't see how that's you know, anti-defense or bad for lovers of defense or any of that kind of stuff. And what you said, it is an offensive league now anyway. And, I mean, just look at that Chiefs-Bills game to begin with. I mean, defenses had a chance to make stops, and they couldn't make stops. That's why they ended up where they were, you know. So, you know, again, both defenses are going to have an opportunity for this new rule. Both offenses are going to have an opportunity. I think that's a good thing. I don't think it's a bad thing. And again, it's only going to be for the postseason. The same, you know, the current rules are going to still apply for the regular season. All right. As far as college, though, since we're talking overtimes, if you could change the college overtime rule, what would you do? Well, this is easy. Okay. Um, you get you get rid of that two point shootout nonsense that they they instituted last year. I, right. I think that is ridiculous. I, I, I really didn't I really didn't have a huge problem with the the college overtime. I really didn't. I mean, you start them at I believe twenty five yards, right? And you right. gotta you actually have to play some football in order to put some points on the board. And and frankly, and I know this isn't necessarily a popular decision, but I have no problem with kickers being involved in overtime. And <laughs> I you know, if you if you gain zero yards, right, it's going to be a 42-yard field goal. That's not exactly a chip shot. For right? a college so, kicker, that's true. Absolutely. And so I really have no problem with the college overtime. Both teams get to possess the ball. You actually have to, you know, put the ball in play and, and gain some yardage in order to score. Um, I have no problem with it whatsoever. It's way better than uh, the high school rule, that's for sure. When you start at the 10-yard line, yeah. you have four downs to score. I, I don't know. like that at all. Um, and so, yeah, I, I like the college one as long as they get rid of that two-point shootout. That was 
watching the Alabama Auburn game and watching those two point plays over and over and over. And look, teams only have maybe two, three two point plays ready to go for each game. Mm-hmm. After a while, they were just running power and trying to you know get the <laughs> ball. Like, it was just that's nonsense. I did not like it at all. That that was not football. I did not enjoy that. No, I, and, and I completely agree with that. And I think my change would be what you just said: get rid of the, the this two point shootout thing I think it's ridiculous and you know you, you ended up extending games more than anything that now that Penn State Illinois game was you know like the extreme example yeah. of yeah. that but at the same time I'd get rid of the two-point shootout and I would simply leave the ball at the 25 yard line both teams still get the ball at the 25 yard line but just right from the get-go you score a touchdown you've got to go for two that would be yeah yeah that would be my thing that would that would speed it up, I think. I, I think oh, that that absolutely. would solve more than it be because you're, you're not going to see both teams continuing to convert, you know, two point tries after touchdowns. So I, I think that that would would speed it up. Just say right off the get go, you've got to mm-hmm. go for two. And I have no problem with them going for two after a touchdown is scored. Right. I, I have no problem with it's, that because that does yeah. speed it up after a while. Yes. Yeah. It's because it's an extra point. It's this shot. two point shootout thing where that yes. that's the only play you're running is is from the two point, you know, conversion line. I think that's just ridiculous. And, that's and not I football actually, at all. When I heard that they changed the rule, I thought it meant that they had to go for two after scoring a touchdown. I had I didn't even realize that, that it was, was actually like just two point. Shootout. Yeah, just yeah. two point. Yeah, it was ridiculous. Now, you thought that was a good idea, but I, they I just, did play. They they still they played like I think it was one. They play one possession of regular, and then after that, I think it goes to the two point things. I just I don't. Yeah, just bad. It's ridiculous. Take a timeout, and we come back more rapid fire on Budweiser's weekday sports beat. If you're craving pizza and looking for an affordable yet delicious casual dining option, head to Barnaby's of Mishawaka or Granger. Mike Lane and his staff are working hard to serve you, featuring their one-of-a-kind pizza, plentiful sandwiches from their beef bar, or choose Linton options like a fish basket or salad. Gather your friends and family and dine local at one of their two locations, Mishawaka Barnaby's at the corner of Grape and Edison, or Barnaby's of Granger at the corner of Capitol and Cleveland. And coming soon is Barnaby's of Twin Branch. It doesn't take a lot of time to make a big difference. I'm Mary Jo Martinek with the Food Bank of Northern Indiana. Volunteers are the heart and soul of what we do. When you volunteer, something amazing and perhaps even life-changing happens. The feeling that you are helping put food in the hands of people who need it most. Food Bank volunteers make a difference every day and help create healthier communities. Find out more at feedindiana.org. Rapid Fire and Budweiser's weekday sports beat continue on Sports Radio 960 WSBT with Vince D'Addario, Sean Styers. Fill in the blank on this one, Vince. It's blank that Los Angeles Dodgers manager Dave Roberts guaranteed a World Series win on the Dan Patrick show recently. Par for the course. I mean, I have no problem with that. Why not, man? Because with the way the news cycle is anymore, every single person is going to forget about that a month from now. That's so, true. It, it, you know, it's preseason hype. Hey, man, we're going to be really good, blah, blah, blah. I have no problem with that whatsoever. I probably would have said the same thing, especially 
especially on the type of show that like Dan Patrick has, you know, it's just kind of laid back and, you know, having meat on Fridays and all these different <laughs> things. Like, yeah, why not guarantee a World Series win? <laughs> when do we get meat Friday, by Seriously. the way? You know, when's I'm that on your show on way? Fridays, Sean. I know. I know. I think we need to make this happen. I think I feel like Meat Friday and or Adult <laughs> Beverage Friday since there it is Budweiser's go. weekday sports beat. Now you're talking. You know, boys, you know what I'm saying over here. But, yeah, it's like <laughs> Dave, it, I, I was a little surprised just because the manager slash coach is usually the one reprimanding the players, you know, <laughs> right. for, for giving this kind of bulletin board material. But, I mean – it's like the rich get richer. When you've got the kind of roster that the Dodgers have, I, I guess you probably should be guaranteeing a win if you're Dave Roberts. And, you know, it's just like he's kind of like throwback to Davey Johnson with the, with the 86 right. Mets. I, I remember he was, you know, they talked about that on the 30-30, 30 for 30 that they did a while back on the Mets, that, that Davey Johnson was out there guaranteeing it. And, like, his owner was like, are you crazy? But – why not? Uh, you know, you've you've got the stacked roster. If you're Dave Roberts, you might as well. It's you're you're really not going too far out on a limb. No, I don't think. I don't think he is at all. I, I don't think he's going too far out on a limit at all. So no, nope. uh, good for him. I whatever. I, I like it. Here's another fill in the blank for you. It's blank that the Mets just signed Max Scherzer to a forty three million dollar a year contract, but if Mets fans want to watch his first start in a Mets uniform this season. They're not going to be able to watch it on regular TV because the only place it will be available is on Apple Plus uh, subscription service. I think it's welcome to being a Cubs fan and not having marquee network. That's what I have to say about that. Okay. Well, uh, now they know how I feel. Let me explain the whole thing because this is, and I didn't have, because of all the breaking news that we had today, I was going to touch yeah. on some of this in the first hour, but I didn't have a chance. So, MLB has signed exclusive streaming contracts with Apple Plus to stream Friday night games and with the oh. Peacock service to stream Sunday morning games. So it's basically, you know, like it's like the streaming alternative to like the ESPN Sunday night baseball thing. So interesting. So if your game is on Apple Plus, it's not going to be on your local you know, marquee, whatever it happens to be. It's you're only going to be able to find that specific game on Apple Plus that's, you know, for that night because it's going to be a national streaming broadcast, you know, or hmm. Sunday mornings they'll be on Peacock. And in the Sunday Max Scherzer mornings. case, yeah, they're going to do Sunday mornings on Peacock. Interesting really? Friday night on Apple, Sunday mornings on Peacock. Really interesting uh, uh, demographics that they're going for. <laughs> There. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So for so again, so for Max Scherzer, their their game is only going to be on the Apple subscription for his first start. It's going to be a Friday night game, so it won't be on the regular Mets, you know, regional TV broadcast wow. because of the streaming agreement that MLB has got. I, you know, it, it again, follow the dollar signs. I'm sure Apple Plus is paying all kinds of money to make this happen, and the Mets were the the unlucky loser. Uh, because they're the ones that got picked to have that first game. You know what I mean? And right. It's, it, we talk about this as Notre Dame fans with games being on Peacock, right? And we, that that's going to be the direction that all of this is going eventually. It's all going to be streaming, and that is just what we're all going to have to deal with. And, I mean, I guess I have Apple Plus and I have uh, Peacock, so I hope there's more Cub games on those 
you know, than there are on marquee. Well, and that's, you know, the other side of this is don't forget, you know, for, and I'll, I'll, I'll touch more specifically. Like I said, I was going to, I was actually going to touch on this topic earlier in the show, but because of time and all the stuff that's happened today, I didn't have time to. For fans, you know, who are used to, you know, just punching up and watching marquee or whatever, you know, NBC Sports Chicago and that and watching your Cubs or, or White Sox, Apple Plus and Peacock are not channels on your TV. Like I remember my dad during the football yeah, season was looking for, you know, it was like a Kansas State football game and it was on ESPN Plus. He's like, what channel is that? And, um, no, that's not a channel. That's that's a streaming <laughs> streaming service. Yep. That's right. And you're going to have to pay for it if you want to watch those games. And so that's that's what True. fans are going to have to deal with. You know, if you want to watch every single game, you're going to have to get a couple streaming services and watch them either on your phone or your and, computer or, you know, maybe your TV if you have your TV set up for that. I will say that I what I do not like is being over multiple streaming platforms for one team. Right. You know, if if it's going to be like, okay, for example, again, I go back to this example, but if the Cubs are going to be on marquee, if I could buy marquee as a streaming service for five bucks a month, I would do it during baseball sure. season, right? And sure. then that's it. Then all the games are going to be there, and I don't have to worry about anything else. The fact that they're going to have teams bouncing around between Peacock and Apple Plus and all these different things, I think that's where it's starting to get a little pricey. Right. Then you got to have all of those services. That's ridiculous. And that's a, yeah. And that's on top of your cable. Right. You know, if you're watching the other games, and that's if the specific cable service that you have right. gets marquee, which you know, right. a lot of people, you know, some still don't. All right, Vince. Well, uh, good stuff as always. I got to wrap things up. I know it was fast and it'll be even faster (laughs) on Friday because we've got the women's final four that'll start at 630. So sounds good. I'll talk to you then. Hopefully you get outside sooner than later. (sighs) Yeah, we'll have to talk about that. I'll talk (laughs) to you later. buddy. Absolutely. Again, the breaking news today, Blake Wesley, Notre Dame men's player declaring for the NBA draft. He could pull his name out if he opts to by June 1st. And for Notre Dame women's basketball, three players Entering the transfer portal today, Sam Brunel, Anaya Peoples, and Abby Prohaska. Budweiser's weekday sports beat is brought to you by Budweiser, Midland Engineering Company, Tim Ground State Farm Insurance, Four Winds Casinos, Barnabies of Mishawaka and Granger, the Food Bank of Northern Indiana, the Mishawaka Education Foundation, and Wings Etc. Grill and Pub. We will talk to you tomorrow right here on Budweiser's Weekday Sports Beat, Sports Radio 960 AM, WSBT South Bend. Hey everyone, Saltgrass Steakhouse is now open in Mishawaka. Wrangle up the crew and head down to Saltgrass Mishawaka for an unforgettable experience. Sink your teeth into mouth-watering char-grilled, certified Angus beef steaks. Sip on ice-cold craft cocktails. And don't forget to try the famous Spicy Range Rattlers, all made daily in the Scratch Kitchen. Start making delicious memories at Saltgrass Mishawaka, 5126 North Main Street, across from Lazy Boy Furniture Galleries. Dine with us today.